But the discussion is always focused on lethal methods of control and destruction, and this is more about coexistence. Yeah, it really is just like the ones you see at the car yard or in carpet shops, you know, on the side of the roads, trying to grab your attention. But we're not trying to grab Dingo's attention, we're trying to scare them. This has been the most effective deterrent that I've ever seen. And one of the good things about the media attention that's happened is that lots of farmers have been really keen to be involved. I agree it is really quirky, but this is a really serious thing. It's a really serious uh, piece of research to solve a really serious problem. Welcome to Impact, a Sikh University podcast where our experts unpack their latest research in easy to understand language. We discover how these researchers are creating solutions to some of the world's most complex challenges. Subscribe now to Seek University Podcasts so you don't miss an episode and join the conversation on Seek University's social media. The wavy inflatable people often used to attract the attention of customers to businesses like used car yards have found a potential new use in dingo management in Australia. The study showed that oversized inflatable human effigies, which Seek Uni researchers have since dubbed Fred Scare could deter captive dingoes from accessing food, providing some hope that dingoes and humans can coexist successfully without resorting to lethal management techniques. The implications of this study could potentially have a huge impact for livestock producers, campgrounds and mining operations. It's the quirky and ingenious research being undertaken by Siku University's psychology lecturer and researcher, Dr. Bradley Smith, that recently attracted the attention of media outlets around the country and overseas. I'm Priscilla Crichton from CQ University's Corporate Communications Office, and today I'm chatting with the lead researcher on the project, Dr. Bradley Smith. It's great to have you on the Impact Podcast today, Brad. Welcome. Thanks so much, Priscilla. Uh, When I first spoke to you a few weeks ago about promoting this research to the media, did you ever expect it would grab the attention it did? I really didn't. It's been quite quite amazing and quite surprising. But um, one of the benefits of it has been that I get to talk and raise awareness and, you know, have that community discussion about management of dingoes because the, the discussion is always focused on lethal methods of control um, and destruction. And this is more about coexistence and, you know, uh, conservation. So it's been really good, um, in you know, to have that conversation in the public. But I've been also surprised by the reaction from researchers around the world. Um, Carnivores and and, uh, livestock and conflict is quite a global problem and everybody is searching for these non-lethal tools. And so it's been great to see a whole bunch of people kind of, you know, taking on on board this research and, you know, wanting to try it in their own countries. That's awesome. Um, Can you give us a bit of a visual about what these inflatable devices look like for our listeners? Yeah, it really is just like the ones you see at the car yard or in carpet shops, you know, on the side of the roads, kind of trying to grab your attention. But we're not trying to grab dingo's attention. We're trying to scare them. Uh, these things are quite scary to a dingo, which is only, you know, border collie size up to your knees. Uh, these things are four or five metres high and they have, you know, arms and, and eyes and a face and they move around. And that's what we think is what really is the most scary part, that unpredictable nature of the movement. Uh, We actually had to custom make our Freddy because 
the ones that you get commercially are actually too power hungry. You have to plug them into a, uh, you know, to a power board in, in your house. Um, so we built from scratch a, a new Fred Scare, a new wavy man using a truck fan or a fan from a, a truck engine and then fiberglass and all sorts of things. Um, and now it's a 12 volt um, portable device that we you know you can put anywhere you like and use solar. That's fantastic. I'm, I'm sort of baffled about how you actually got the idea to use these. Yeah, it's been, it's been around a while. Um, I work at a dingo sanctuary in Melbourne, the Dingo Discovery Centre. And the idea really started or, you know, grew from the, the manager there, Lynn Watson. And she knows dingo behaviour really well. And, you know, she takes dingoes out every now and again to, um, you know, for public demonstrations and that kind of thing. And she knows and she sees what what scares dingoes and what doesn't and you know she always had this idea uh that these wavy men would be great deterrents the dingoes would actually freak out um and so that kind of planted the seed and i kind of left it there in the back of my mind for a while and then i then i looked in the literature and saw that some people had tried these with wolves in the united states and had some success there and I dug a little bit further in the literature and found that they also use these in some commercial fisheries to keep away birds from eating and you know, predating on the fish in the ponds. And so once I, um, you know, kind of got the encouragement from the literature as well as, you know, um, the dingo experts, uh, I then got a grant from CQU actually to, uh, to try to find and test these non-lethal devices in captivity. Well, can you explain what you actually did in the field after you've got one of these things? I'm guessing you've sort of bought one from somewhere. What did you actually do with it and how did it work in your study? Well, the first thing we need to do is test them in captivity first with captive dingoes in a very controlled environment because we don't want to spend all that time and money and the risk of it not working by putting it out in the field and it failing. And so we want to really, you know, if we think we, if we can scare a captive dingo who's used to people and, in, you know, different things, then we're pretty sure it, it's going to be, work out in the field. Uh, so what we did was we, we at the Dingo Discovery Centre in Melbourne, which has about 40 or so dingoes there, we, uh, we found one of their big or used one of their big enclosures and we put the wavy man on the other side of the fence and we put some food bowls right, right by the fence, right in front of Freddie. And you know, we trained and we let the dingoes know that the food was actually there in the first place. So when, when they came back the second time, uh, they knew they were going straight for the food and all of a sudden they had this wavy man confronting them. And, uh, and our task was to really um, launch it and to see what response we got from the dingoes. Uh, were they scared? Did they show behavioural signs? And most importantly, did they eat from the food bowl? So if that was our kind of success a failure kind of thing. If they ate from the food bowl, it meant that they the motivation to get the food was was greater than the than the scariness of the of the Freddy. And so that was basically it. W were you surprised how well it worked? Yeah, I really was. My job is to kind of find and test these devices to see what works. And and I've done a few things in the past, you know, uh, flattery, which is like wavy flags, uh, sound and all sorts of things like that. And this has been the most effective deterrent that I've ever seen. Other things that you do uh, may cause the dingoes to flinch a little bit uh, and, you know, withdraw a tiny bit, but then they always get that confidence. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it basically doesn't really work. But this time when they saw Freddie, they bolted. They couldn't have gone any further from that <laughs> device. Uh, and on subsequent trials, they, some of them 
uh, didn't even go near the object. They, they went to the furthest part of the enclosure that they could. And that's what we really wanted to see. We want, we want a deterrent that actually gets the dingoes to move away from the source of motivation, the target, the reward, uh, rather than just get a little bit frightened. Enjoying this episode? Subscribe to Seek University's podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, rate, review, and share. We know the study actually draws in that, that quirky interest, but it des- definitely has the potential to change the way we manage dingoes in the future. Can, can you tell us about where you see the devices working and what could the potential be for it? I agree. It is really quirky, but this is a really serious thing. It's a really serious uh, piece of research to solve a really serious problem, and that is that that dingo-human conflict. And There's a lot of different ways dingoes or carnivores in general com- conflict with uh, with humans it could be in campgrounds where you've got you know young family and you've got carnivores coming you know approaching you to get to access to food or whatever like like on fraser island or bears in the us um and then there's also places like mine sites who are really far remote and um they have might have dingo problems coming in to you know access you know free resources and food uh, and also the big one, of course, is livestock. Dingoes and, and sheep don't really get along very well. And, uh, you know, instead of killing dingoes, uh, we'd like to see ways that we can kind of keep them apart. And strategies like the wavy man is just kind of one uh, tool in the toolkit that we can use. Um, you know, there's no panacea. There's no one thing that's going to work for every everybody or every scenario. One of the biggest I guess aspects of this we, we see is in lambing season when you're penning lambs. If you're wanting to protect your lambs, uh, then you put you can put these devices around your your pen and uh, and keep the the dingoes away during that those times when it's really critical to keep dingoes away. Excellent. Um, so where to from here? I mean, I know that you you've got this device and you know that it works. How can you build on that? And is that part of the project from here? Yeah, like I said, one thing we want to do is make sure these things work in captivity first. And then the second step is going out into the field. And one of the good things about the media attention that's happened about this project is that lots of farmers have been really keen to be involved. Um, you know, I think, I think I get the impression that, you know, we all want to stop the dingoes, the dingo problem, right? Uh, it's just the way we go about it is what's different. And they're willing to give it a go. If it works, yeah, let's try it. So, so I'm really pleased that there's lots of people willing to, to give it a go. Uh, the challenge now, of course, is funding to get money to actually go out and test these things. But we're also um, looking at, uh, I guess, pimping up Freddie, if, uh, if I could use that term. Uh, and by that, I mean adding more things to Freddie that makes it scarier. Um, one thing we know about uh, non-lethal deterrence because it's really hard to to, to deter dingoes because they're very smart and they habituate, they get used to things and things become less scary, is that we want to, and also there's an individual variation in responses to non-lethal devices. So some, you know, there's some bold individuals who won't care and there's some really shy ones who are going to really care about it. So we want to make sure these devices kind of, uh, you know, suit many different purposes, uh, many different um, dingoes or personalities and, uh, and re- reduce that habituation time. So we want to add things like sound, 
a scent. So it could, you know, it could give off some scents that are aversive or lights at nighttime, you know, to mimic torches and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it, it's a combination of, um, you know, wanting to continue to develop um, the device, but also to test it in the field. You've been studying the behaviour of dingoes for a long time, Brad. Um, what's the attraction with it? Why did you get drawn into this u- sort of unique area? My background is in psychology and I kind of was drawn away from human psychology towards animals. And uh, I'm really interested in the way non-human animals see the world, how they experience the world. And one of the things I wanted to do early on in my, my uh, career was to, was to look at Australian animals and look at really intelligent animals. Um, and the dingo really fits that bill. There was also some really good research around the time I started, early 2000s, where people were starting to compare dogs and wolves um, in terms of the effect of domestication on, on te- intelligence and problem solving and all those kind of things. And so I started to look at how the dingo kind of fit into all that. And, you know, from there, I've, I've just researched dingoes for a long time in, in whatever way I can. I'm just fascinated by them. They're, they're really intelligent, really, really beautiful animals uh, and really uh, quite unique to Australia. So it's, it's just great. Um, but now my, my research and my interest has shifted not towards uh, just understanding them, but also how to conserve them. You know, there's a real problem out there um, in terms of, you know, um, the attitudes towards dingoes and, and lots of lethal control that, that occurs across the country. And some of the things that I want to do uh, are to try and, you know, raise awareness of, of the importance of dingoes, but also develop strategies for uh, coexistence. The very first source that covered the research was actually Science Magazine, which is kind of a, a big coup. Uh, they're a very well-respected scientific journal and uh, to get covered in there was kind of good. And from there, things kind of blow up. So everybody everybody keeps an eye out what those big players are, are looking at and then, and then it kind of spreads from there. Uh, I did a lot of media, especially regional Australia, um, they were the ones who really picked it up because they're the ones who experienced the, the dingo problems, I guess. Uh, and their listeners are those who deal with dingoes on a daily basis. So I think uh, it was really taken up on regional Australia more so than, than the cities and, and elsewhere. Awesome. I know you were inundated with calls, so I'm, I'm glad you actually agreed to actually chat with me once more about this topic. Um, thanks so much for joining us on The Impact. I know you actually have been one of our interviewers um as well on the um on the season so thank you for that as well all the best with the research and um we hope to see these uh human effigies waving away dingoes in the future thanks so much for your support cheers to find out more about how cq university is changing lives through real world research check out our website in the description and remember to subscribe to cq university podcasts so you don't miss an episode.